Prior to COVID-19, that pandemic that we are hearing still so much news about, there was an epidemic that the CDC came out with around the year 2014. It hasn't gotten as much news coverage by any means, and it's probably something that every single one of us at some point in our life has contracted. This is the public health epidemic that they announced um, some years back. They said it is this, sleep deprivation. How many of you, along with me, are, are suffering at times from that? You see, this was never an issue prior to the invention of electricity and lights. People used to pattern their, their life around the pattern of the sun. When it was dark, they slept. When it was light, they worked. And now, with electricity and lighting, we can go 24-7. We can try to push ourselves as long as possible. And I'm guessing if any of you are like me, I like to pack in as much as possible when it's light. I, I don't like to click the light off when it's dark because there's so much to do. And the result is sleep deprivation. But the reality of this is, is this. There, there's a spiritual side to this. You see, God has created very intentionally, very deliberately, dark and light. And we pattern our life around it. But sometimes I'm just like, man, if I could create, if I could create a world, this is probably what I would do. And it's probably good that I don't have that power. I would do less dark. Because think about this with me. We sleep one third of the day. If we get eight hours right there in the middle of a, the pocket of good sleep for an adult, if we get eight hours, we sleep a third of the day away, which means we sleep a third of our life away. Isn't that crazy? If I live to be 80 years old, I'm going to live a roughly 29,200 days. And if I sleep according to that pattern, I'm going to sleep a total of 9,733 days away. That can feel like a waste to me. Which is why you and I, we need a good theology of sleep. We need a good theology of what we do a third of our life. And the theology is this. God has directly instituted the dark so that we depend on him. Psalm 121 says, God never slumbers. He never sleeps. We need to in our limitations. And so the darkness, what it does is it drives us to depend on him who never sleeps. That's what it does. That's the theology of sleep. I wish I could go into that more because maybe one day I will. But you may be like at this point, Brad, why are you talking about sleep when this series is all about lament, proclaiming our pain to our provider? Why are you talking about sleep when we're, we're reading about a woman in Mark 5? It has nothing to do with sleep. That's a great question. Glad you asked. And so let's, let's dive in to find out what this is all about. Chapter 5 of Mark, it, it contains a two-for-one story. There's a story that begins and ends this chapter, and in the middle, that's the story that we're going to walk through, the story of a woman. 
But that first story, it begins with a dad coming to Jesus, declaring that his daughter's almost dead and needing Jesus to heal her. And so Jesus becomes this emergency EMT worker. He's the ambulance that's going to the scene of that daughter. And as he's going, we're told there's a crowd following Jesus. Now, whenever there's an emergency going on, isn't that seem to be what happens? People come and they surround That's why they often yellow tape things off, right? Eventually. This crowd is a crowd of gawkers. They're just there to see what happens in the emergency. That's what this crowd is, except for one person, at least that we know of in this crowd. She's not a gawker. That brings us to our text. Okay, verse 26 or 25. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. This is the part of the text that brings us to the lament of this series. If this woman was proclaiming pain to her provider, this would be her pain. And maybe you can relate. Let's look at it. Let's spend a little time in it. Let's look at her loss. The source of her suffering is a discharge of blood. It's a flow of blood. Since she's termed as a woman, most believe that this deals with her menstrual cycle. But it's not on a cycle. It's not monthly. It's happening every single moment. And it's been happening every single moment, get this, for 12 years. Since we heard about the pandemic of COVID-19 and we had to start adjusting our worship services here at Connect, that's been going on for roughly 112 days. 12 years, can you get this? Is 4,380 days. That's how long she has been going through this. Every morning she wakes up and she has the same suffering. She has the same burden. Every time she goes to bed, she goes exhausted. You see, if there's a loss of blood, it makes you anemic. Most likely she was anemic, which makes you tired, which makes you exhausted. Day in, day out, 4,380 days, this has been her life. And not only that, she has been in search for healing. She has been in search for someone to fix it. And so we're told here that she has been multiple times to many doctors to try to figure this thing out. And as she's gone, what's tagged to that is the word suffering. She has suffered multiple times under the hands of many doctors. She's been afflicted. She's been scouring the medical field trying to figure out what's going on. And it's been suffering. Because you got to understand, this is not like our day and age where we have clean, nice, white, sterile clinics to go to with high technology. Most likely for this woman, there was a lot of poking. There was a lot of prodding. It was probably highly invasive. And it seems to suggest here what was going on was it was unintentionally by the doctors abusive. This woman has scars, probably physically, but at least emotionally and mentally. And the problem with it all is that 
it's done nothing for her. She wasn't getting better, which is why you go to the doctors. She was getting worse. She was this medical marvel, and you don't want to be that to a doctor. Because doctors then start gawking at your condition because no one can figure it out. They want to be the ones so they geek out on you instead of care for you. And that's not all her loss. Like, this is happening in a Jewish area. We don't know if this woman is Jewish, but, but we know, do know from Leviticus 15 that a Jewish menstrual cycle, it caused you to be unclean. Now, I just want to be very clear. When you hear the language of clean, unclean, I don't want you to think good or bad, right? That, that's not what's happening here. A, a woman's menstrual cycle is good. It's not bad. God created it in the woman. And it's beautiful because of what it can do within a woman. So it's good. God has termed pigs to be unclean, but pigs are good. It's where we get bacon. Right? That's good. Some of you, as you eat it, along with your cinnamon roll and cup of coffee right at home right now, like, that's good. That's probably the loudest amen I got from you in your home, according to bacon. Um, I'll work on that. It's good. So this isn't a good or bad thing. This is a clean, unclean thing. And it's pointing out a distinction. And this is why. The distinction is to remind the Israelites that every day they are in a holy relationship with God. And at some point, every Israelite would become unclean. That would happen. And their life would go on pause. They would rest from their normal everyday life because they would have to go through steps of becoming clean. It's a pause. It's a reset. It's a refocus on a holy God, which is good. But the problem with this woman is she would never get that reset because the flow of blood would never stop. To become clean, that would have to stop. It's not stopping for her. Which means for 12 years, she has had a loss of community. Things she would touch would be make other people unclean. She had to be really careful. So there's a loss of community. Just imagine, we don't know, but if she was married, there would be a loss of intimacy. There would most likely be a loss of motherhood. Do you feel the pain of this woman? And this is what drives her to find Jesus. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. And those reports caused her to come up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. So she touched. I love that word. It means to fasten onto something. She fastens onto his garment. I'll touch back in on that. Okay, I think there's something going on there, but I'll touch back in on garment. So she fastens and she's made well. In fact, we read immediately, verse 29, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed. That word healed, I've said this before already in the series, it has in it uh, the word healing, but it really means to save. It's the word for salvation. So she's healed of the disease. She is saved from the disease. So there's salvation language going on here. And it happened immediately, and she felt it. That word actually means perceived. But she's not the only one perceiving something. If you go to verse 30, you see Jesus is too. And Jesus perceiving, it's the same root word as felt, perceiving 
in himself that power had gone out from him, he immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now remember, there's a crowd. It's surrounding him. And this befuddles the, the disciples. That's why they go on in verse 31 to, to get a little sassy with Jesus. You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched you? Like, who, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, people are bumping into you all the time. That's what's going down. But it's not really a question of how do you know someone touched you? It's really a question since we have an insider track of why. Why did Jesus' power go out to this woman and not to people who were just bumping into him? And I think we find out as this text goes on. I know we're moving fast, but, but we need to keep walking. And so we read in verse 32, he looked around to see who had done it. He's, in, he's searching. The woman searched for him. Now he's searching. Not because he has to. It's drawing the woman out. And it does. Verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Fear and trembling and falling down. That's a reaction from a person who encounters something great, who encounters God. That is the biblical standard reaction when a person encounters and know they have encountered God. Fear, trembling, and prostrate, which is actually a position of worship. That's how she reacts before Jesus, and it causes her to spill the beans. It causes her to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth before God before Jesus. And it leads Jesus to name why his power went out to this woman and no one else. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, hear that relationship? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease, saved from your disease. The reason is faith. She didn't accidentally bump into Jesus and poof, she got better. She intentionally fastened herself to Jesus and his garments through faith, a trust. She was entrusting her life and she was entrusting her disease to Jesus. And that is what made her go. Power went out from Jesus and that power allowed her to go in peace. That word can mean wholeness, which is my whole prayer for you as we walk through this series together. I want wholeness. And that's what happened. And so today we are looking at this woman's body breakdown. And I think the body breakdown is actually the most common source of lament that you and I have and we hear about. Because our bodies can break down in so many different ways. And I'm guessing some of yours are. I'm guessing you have cried out to God, proclaimed your pain to your provider. I hope you do. Because of the tremendous loss it can bring. It can bring about communal loss, right? Maybe you have a lot, lack of mobility doesn't allow you, that doesn't allow you to be with people. That's a loss. 
Or maybe, maybe you just don't have strength anymore. Like you do just common little things and it exhausts you. It wearies you. It makes you tired. That's a loss. Maybe you have a loss of intimacy with friends or a spouse because of your sickness or the side effects of medication. Maybe your loss is the loss of becoming a parent because of infertility. There is loss upon loss upon loss that we grieve and we want done. And what I want you to hear from me in this text is this. The darkness of this woman's disease directed her to depend solely on Jesus. That's why she went searching and she fastened and she entrusted in faith her disease to Jesus and his power. And she leaves with a testimony that she is not only healed, but she's whole. It's what we want. And so I'm encouraging you today. If you find yourself in the darkness of a body breakdown, let that darkness direct you. Like the darkness of night was designed to do, direct us to depend on God. May the darkness of our soul direct us to depend on Jesus. Now, I want to be very clear what I mean by that phrase in the context of this passage. I don't think directing, darkness directing you to depend on Jesus means that, that we don't go to the medical world at all. Faith is not anti-medicine. I want to be very clear on that. I believe God has created very intelligent men and women to work in the medical field to understand our bodies. In fact, throughout scripture with many different things, including um, missions, using us to bring the gospel to people, God works wonders through people. I never want to deny that. I think what going to the medical world is, is us submitting our bodies to people. Submission is biblical. We submit to the government. Parent, kids submit to their parents. Submission to people does not mean omission of faith. Please understand that. So, so we can submit our bodies to doctors and yet clearly and directly depend on Jesus in our disease. We can I'm also saying this, I want to be very clear. I believe that today God can still break into the natural world with supernatural power. He can still do that. He can still heal. The evidence of that is this, the in, um, incarnation of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus, the supernatural, broke into the natural. He took on our skin. And he did that. And I want you to know today yet he did it because he cares for you and he loves you. That's why he also was resurrected. The resurrection is the supernatural breaking into the natural. Our human bodies cannot revive themselves naturally after death. And so God broke in with the supernatural to have Jesus rise from the dead. 
And that deals with the source of our suffering and sin. He did all that because he cares for you and he loves you and he cares for you and he loves you today and he has the power to heal. That's why when I go visit people, which my job uh, calls me to do, when I visit people who are sick and struggling physically, I pray for healing. Because I know our God can heal. He can break in and he will break in because he cares and loves you. I believe that. That's why we as elders at Connect Church, we are willing to follow the pattern of James and lay our hands on you and pray for healing over you. And that's not going to come because we do that pattern. It comes because of the supernatural breaking into the natural. That's a miracle of healing. But let me also say this. Um, I've prayed for healing for quite a few people. And I'm going to be real with you. Um, I haven't seen anyone miraculously healed in that moment. As much as I would love to say the opposite. And I don't know how you want to interpret that. You may be like, okay, I'm not going to ask you to pray for healing anymore. That just obviously doesn't work. Um, I, I'm willing. I'm here for you. I say that because that's truth, but this is, this is the heart of the truth. God does not always heal. He doesn't always heal like he does this woman. That's truth. And I honestly don't even believe healing is the focus of this passage. I believe the focus of this passage is the fastening of this woman onto Jesus' garments. And I say that because think about this with me. And I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not being sarcastic. I can't be sarcastic. I'm not here. This woman could have walked away healed from her disease. The, the source of her disease was that flow of blood that wouldn't cease. She could have walked away dancing and rejoicing and put her foot in a pothole and broke her ankle. Like that could happen. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying most likely she walked away and at some point in her life after that, she had an ailment. She had a disease and she died. Right? We will have ailments. We will die. We will have dark nights of the soul because of our suffering, because of our body. That's true. This woman, she did not leave whole in life. You know that? Like, I just want you to think about this with me. She walked away healed from the source of her suffering, but she still had the scars, the physical, emotional, mental of those 12 years. Those weren't gone. She was emotionally scarred from that. And that would take further healing. She was still financially broke. Jesus didn't give her riches to pay for all her medical bills. She was not whole in life. This is how she left. And this is the focus. She was whole in heart. That's peace. Because she fastened onto Jesus' garments. Garments. That seems weird to me. Because if I was that woman and I was that desperate, I would have wanted Jesus' full attention. Right? That's what I would have wanted. And all she decides to do is slip in, grab his white medical coat, and slip out. 
Some people believe that the greatness of a person is embodied in the, their garments. I, I think there's more going on here. And let me, let me throw it at you and you can see what you think. I think there's more going on because of this thought of unclean and clean and because of this word salvation for healing. Where is the first time in scripture that we find the word garments? It's in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were created naked. And that was good, right? But when they sinned, they saw their nakedness and they felt shame. And so what did Adam and Eve do? They they put together garments of fig leaves to hide their shame. What did God do when he found them? He reclothed them with animal skin, not to just hide their shame, but to cover their shame, to bring healing and salvation from their shame. And that garment of skin is believed to be the first animal sacrifice in scripture. And it anticipates a greater sacrifice, the final sacrifice that would come through Jesus in our skin, incarnation, as the Lamb of God, to deal with the source of our suffering, which is sin. And one day we believe Jesus is going to come again. And when he does, he's going to bring wholeness to our life. We're going to be free from all our suffering. We're also not going to need the markings of of the light and day of this earth. It says that Jesus and God, they'll be our light. There will be no dark. We won't need to rest according to a pattern of a day because we are going to rest in the presence of our God. But until then, he does give wholeness of heart. You will still be affected Even if you continue to be infected, you will be affected even if you're healed from your infection. That's the reality. Because of all the toll it took. But he can give you wholeness of heart when you fasten yourself to him. Through the garment of skin that he took on, the supernatural took care of our sin. And so I pray for healing for you. I want relief for you. But what I even want more is restoration and a reclothing. See, Jesus heals in the Gospels, and what it does is it creates a great testimony that glorifies the supernatural power of God. But you know what I have witnessed throughout my ministry? I I haven't seen the healings. I hope someday I will. But what I have seen is deep-rooted hope in people who are dying. They know they're dying. But they have a wholeness of heart. And that testimony gives just as much glory to God within the suffering. That's what I want for you because we don't only have a sleep deprivation epidemic. There is a spiritual epidemic, a savior depreciation epidemic, deprivation epidemic. I invite you today to turn to the healer.
you will not find healing of heart or body apart from the healer. You will not be whole apart from the one who makes us whole, Jesus. So I invite you, fasten onto him today with me. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, as we rest in this word, I pray, Lord, that we will see just as rest, resting a third of our life in sleep is not a waste. Our dark times of the soul are never a waste because what they do is they cause a searching. May each person here today find you, rely on you, entrust their body breakdown to you, and find wholeness of maybe body today. Lord, we'd love to hear that testimony, but also wholeness of heart today. We'd love to hear that testimony. Let us speak of you in all your glory and our absolute need and dependence upon you every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to, to go into our next steps, which will be a couple questions I just really want you to wrestle with today. But as you do that, uh, may the peace of God which transcends all understanding, understanding of our bodies and how they break down and the suffering it brings. May it transcend all understanding and may it guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus today. Blessings and amen.